Hey, I'm, I'm eager to jump into this message today. We've been doing a series for the last three weeks called Living Like Kings. And um, yeah, we're, we're playing off the, the, the modern day trend of everybody wants to live their best life. Everybody wants to live like a king or a queen. But really what we're looking at is God defines kingship and queenship a little bit differently. Um, looking at the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 60, and God says it was fulfilled through kings who weren't even really kings. And so I want to encourage you today, despite your lineage, despite whether you're born on the east side or the west side, despite where you come from, God says that we are all called into a royal priesthood, royalty, and we can have that through the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so let's look at that uh, prophecy in Isaiah chapter 60. Come on, if you hear epic rumbling, that's because Avatar ain't got nothing on this. Come on. And she's, <laughs> hey, listen, actually, as, as you turn to Isaiah chapter 60, let me let you know what's coming up over the next few weeks so that you understand what we're doing. Next Sunday will be Christmas Day on a Sunday. And our hope is that you would have a blessed time celebrating Jesus with your families. Don't leave Jesus out of it. Don't leave your families out of it. Come on. And so um, we will have an experience, two experiences on Christmas Eve on Saturday. So in this room, make sure you're here at 3 or 5 p.m. for a 60-minute experience. And I want you to invite your friends and family members, especially if they're far from God, because A, it's only 60 minutes, and B, just tell them we're going to the movies on Christmas Eve. Come on. They're going, they're going to get the title of all titles when they start hearing about Jesus. But seriously, our team has put a lot of emphasis into making sure that we believe you're going to have a moment with God, and everybody's going to have a moment with God. So come at 3 or 5 p.m. We try to make them early enough that if you've got plans afterwards, you can still get to that. And then on Sunday, my wife and I have already recorded a greeting to you guys that will go on social media, but we will not meet in person because we will have worshiped on Saturday, and we want you to have a, a, a worship uh, with your family and, and family time on Sunday. The following week is January 1st, which falls on a Sunday. And what we decided to do is because there are a lot of dream teamers it takes to, to change an, a, a theater into a church, we decided we wanted to serve our dream team very well because don't they serve us well. Can we give it up for every one of the volunteers in the house? And, and there are so many people who rotate. And the last thing we wanted to do was ask them to show up at 6 a.m., on January 1st when they've just been celebrating the new year. So here's what we've done. We will have an online experience on set on that Sunday morning. I'm going to start a brand new series preached online. We have a worship, uh, a, a song that is going to play live, and we also have a look back at some of the things God has done through the years, okay? So you'll want to log in from home, and once again, invite your family members over, cook a breakfast, and invite someone who wouldn't come into a church building into your house and just worship together. Does that sound good? I just wanted you to understand why we're doing what we're doing, and it's to love you well and to try to serve you well as well as our dream team. Cool? Awesome. Well, let's look at this because I, I, I'm pumped about this message, and I believe God's going to meet you here. Isaiah chapter 60, um, starting in uh, 1 through 3, the Bible says this, and we've looked at it the last two weeks. Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine. Someone say light. 
for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Poke your neighbor and say, you too. The light's coming, bro. Even though darkness as black as night covers all of the nations of the earth, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how immoral it gets, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light and say these next two words with me. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. This is a prophecy that happened over 200 years before Jesus was ever even born. And the first three to ever do it were kings who weren't even kings. And so today we sing a song, We Three Kings of Orient Are tra Bearing Gifts We Traveled Afar. And we're going to talk, we've been talking the last three weeks about some discipleship lessons we can learn by looking at just the three wise men. But it's important to know a few things that we've already said. Here's the first principle we talked about. Kings come to see God's radiance. They are willing to leave their homeland, everything they know to be normal, and they come bringing their best gifts to the king of kings. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about the second principle, which is this. Kings live for the legacy of the king of kings. They aren't mentioned before Matthew chapter 2. They're not mentioned after chapter 2. In fact, we don't even get their first names in the biblical account. Why? Because they weren't over there going like, make sure you write down Bartholomew was one of the kings, bro. Like, there's none of that. Like, who's telling the story? Make sure my name ends up in the story. They're like, as long as you get the name above all names in that story, we have done our part. And it doesn't matter. We're not even sure if it was three kings because the Bible doesn't say how many there were. We just speculate that because they brought three gifts. And so, in other words, it doesn't matter their names as much as it matters the name above all names. In 2022, it won't matter about my name or your name as long as the name that's above all names is lifted up. Can I get an amen? That's what it's about, and that's what we have to live for, the legacy of the king of kings. And so this week, we'll talk about a third one. And I've used the title, The Dry Seasons and the High Seasons. Let's pray. Father, no matter what season we find ourselves in, no matter what season the next one will be, Father, I thank you for your word that we can stand upon, your word that equips us, your word that directs us and is a light unto our path. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would reveal it and illuminate our path for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. And everyone who agrees with me can say... Amen. Have you ever been in a season where you doubted God? I would have you raise your hand if you've ever doubted God before. And if you don't raise your hand, you're probably lying up in church because a lot of us have had times where we doubted God if we were honest with ourselves. Um, I've been walking with the Lord um, since 2002, 20 years now, and um, there have been moments where faith was high and full of fervor and fire and passion, and there were other times like when my wife and I went through undiagnosed infertility um, after having one child, and we were like, God, where are you at? There's people not even trying, not even doing it right, and they popping out babies left and right, baby. Here we are worshiping you. Where are you at? And now sometimes we have small doubts of God. Like, God, did you, you didn't answer my last prayer. Are you there? Come on, are you, are you listening? But then there are other times where we can experience what feels like crisis of faith. 
And I asked my wife if I could tell this story because back in 2010, um, ever since I met my wife, I have always known her to be one of the most passionate, on-fire people for Jesus and constantly keeping him number one. And we moved here in 2008 to Maryland, and I remember that in our second year, uh, we were youth pastors, and we had a number of young people coming out every single week, and one of them was an innocent uh, 14-year-old girl who just loved to play soccer. She, she, faith was part of her life, but it wasn't a very big part of her life because she was just coming to church because mom and dad made me come to church. And I think Jesus is cool, but I love soccer and I love my friends and I love what I'm all about. And so she wasn't necessarily sinful or worldly. She just didn't have God as necessarily number one. And then she finds out at a medical appointment that there's something in the hip and she has to be seen at Hopkins like yesterday. And they rush her over there, and it fast forward, it ended up being a very rare form of cancer. Now, my wife and I have prayed for people to be healed, and we have seen God miraculously heal people. But in this case, after um, 18 months of dealing with this, praying, fasting, calling the church together, anointed with all praying, doing everything we know that the Bible says to be true, she did not end up getting healed. And after an 18-month struggle, she got so strong with God, though, that I believe one of the lights at the, in the middle of it was she wanted her father to know Jesus Christ personally. And in her last month of life, her father came to see her, and she got to present the gospel to her, to him in a way no other preacher could, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ because he saw her faith had grown so resilient and strong. Why do I tell you that story? Because if my wife who loves Jesus so very passionately, had a crisis of faith, like, God, where are you, and are you real? Inevitably, you might have one of those too. And what Satan wants you to think is your faith is failing, your religion is broken, your God's not real, this is all made up, you are less than a Christian. Come on, why would you doubt? Who are you? Come on, I told you you weren't forgiven, and he likes to implant all these thoughts. But all throughout our Bible, you will see men and women of God who have gone through high seasons, and they've gone through dry seasons. And I want you to see something that I saw in the Three Kings today. And let me try to point this out to you quickly. That song says, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traveled afar. Field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. In other words, we've gone through all kinds of terrain. And don't we love the fields and fountains, baby? But how many of y'all hate the moors? You're like, I hate the moors, and I don't even know what the moors are. I had to look up the moors. The moors are evidently vast parts of infertile land like nothing grows here nothing's happening here there ain't no life here let's begin a chant no more moors no more moors and yet the king said whether through field or fountain through moor or mountain i'm following that star and i'm gonna find the king of kings and so i want to show you today something that was revealed to me that i believe will be helpful and man that's an epic moment of avatar if you're not in this place, Avatar's playing on the other screen. Come on, praise God. Watch this. Let's start on the map in where we are. Everybody's, you know, familiar with where we are. Go ahead and throw that on the screen, please. There, there we go. Cool. There we are, and the clouds are awesome. 
cool. I love that. Thank you, Google Maps or Earth. And now watch this. Let's go over to Jerusalem now if you'll click the next slide. Let's travel over to Jerusalem where the three kings would have come to find Jesus. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 2 that they met with King Herod and they asked where the king is. And King Herod said, what king other than me? There's another one? Hey, how about you go find him and you let another brother know? Come on, king to king. We just want to hang out. Even though I'm killing everything I can get my hands on because I'm threatened and I'm insecure. And the Bible says that they went from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem. Go ahead and click that next slide. And, and, and so they traveled south to Bethlehem. Now, I, I lowered the terrain here so that you could see that this was no cakewalk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. In fact, if I could give you a 3D map, you would see you got to go down a valley and then back up a hill because Jerusalem was known to be and still is the highest place on earth. And you're like, no, it's not Mount Everest is. Maybe not physically or geographically, but spiritually every religion will tell you there is no higher place on earth. There is no place to get closer to God than in Jerusalem. And it is the highest mountain in the local area. So they would have had to travel down into a valley and back up. In fact, that picture on the top right is what first century Bethlehem would look like. And I've been there. It looks like a big mound. In other words, your asthma be acting up on the way up that mountain. Three kings are going, what the heck? (laughs) Why did God be born in Bethlehem? But let me tell you, that ain't nothing compared to where they came from because the Bible says they came from the east. And so click that next slide and you will see that theologians believe that they came from one of three territories, if not all three. And so the Bible, they believe that they came from Persia, which is modern day Iran, or they came from India, which is way over there on the east, or they came from Arabia, which is down in the below Saudi Arabia now today. So maybe one came from each or maybe they came from one of the three. What I want you to see is just how much not green there is on that journey. That that is hot desert land. In other words, the three kings did not say, I'll pursue the king of kings if it's easy for me. If it's 70 and cloudy, sure, uh, let's go find Jesus. If not, I'm throwing in the towel and I'm going back to my hut. No, 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 no. I need you to understand that there must have been dry seasons and there must have been high seasons. Go to the last slide. That when they arrived at Bethlehem, it would have looked like this, a high mountainous area with dry Saharan deserts that they would have had to cross to get there. This is what I believe is the third principle of living like a king, is that the kings, um, living like a king requires perseverant faith. It requires a dogmatic, grit, bite, weather-worn faith that says no matter if it feels right or not, no matter if it's 70 and cloudy or it's way stinking hot, no matter if my mouth is well watered because I am in the garden seasons of life or if I am in the arid Saharan deserts, my God is worth it and I will continue to pursue him no matter the climate that I'm in. They must have had cold, cold, mountainous nights and they probably also had days where it was like, bro, Look at how good God is. It's a cloudy day, and there ain't no better sight in the world. In other words, they didn't give up during the dry seasons. 
My encouragement to you today is to develop in you a grit, weather-worn, perseverant faith that doesn't give up in the dry seasons because sometimes we go through them and it doesn't mean something's wrong with you and it doesn't mean something's wrong with God. So real quick, let's talk about the high seasons of life. These are the mountaintop moments. This is when there's nothing to fear. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Come on. Some of you are like, oh, I love November. I love December. Come on. It's snow time. It's Christmas time. And I, I, I love that. Not everybody's there, but I love that you're there. And whether, it's, uh, whether you're there or not, these are the moments, the land of abundance. It's a great day today. Come on, I give God all praise. Let me show you somebody who's in the high season of life, Pastor JT, Aubrey, and their new baby, Rory. Come on. It's a new lifter up in this house. And I said, JT and Aubrey, send me a picture because y'all are in the high season. Maybe not your sleep schedule. That's in the dry season. But come on, they are loving that. We're so very proud of Pastor JT and Aubrey. And there's so many other um, amazing couples who are carrying right now. And we just love having little lifters in here. Don't y'all don't y'all love our young people? Come on, can we love it? Love on them. Here's the temptation in the high seasons, though. You get complacent. You get prideful. You get self-reliant. You get uh, selfish in the high seasons. And so in order to protect from that, that's what the enemy would want you to do is to fall into one of those categories. And in order to protect from that, here's three things living like a king means in the high seasons. Write this down. Number one, stay humble, stay grateful. In the high seasons of life, stay humble, stay grateful. Give God the glory. Don't keep it for yourself. It would be so easy to go, I earned this. I did this. I made this happen. Look at your boy. Come on. But listen, when we stay humble, when we stay rooted, when we stay grateful, we realize that though I put some effort into it, I would be nothing without the prosperity and the providence of Jesus Christ and my God. He made me this way. He could have birthed me in the era of the Great Depression, and I would not be in the state that I am in. He could have birthed me in way worse times like first century Rome where they killed Christians for proclaiming their Christianity. You did not decide these things. The great father decided these things. So when I'm in the high season, yes, I put some effort into it, but way more glory and honor goes in to God Almighty. He's the one who put me in this place. He's the one who's got a plan for me. He's the one who gave me favor. He's the one who paved my path. He's the one who deserves Deserves all credit, honor, and glory. Can I get an amen? In the 19th century, Robert McShane preached revivals in Scotland. And I remembered reading about him, and this is what I loved about him. Though he'd go into a church and he'd preach, and many people would give their life to Jesus Christ, what he would always do, his routine, was he'd go outside the church, hop on his horse, ride it outside of town, and the moment he got in obscure parts of the outside of town, he'd dismantle the horse. He'd get down on one knee, and he would ceremoniously take off an invisible crown off of his own head, and he would crown an invisible God in front of him in order to say, God, the crown does not belong to me. The glory does not belong to me. The gift was not mine in the first place. All honor, glory, and praise goes to you. I'm not all that. I'm not big stuff. It's about you, and all glory goes to you. We got to remember to stay humble and to stay grateful. Number two, be generous. 
Be generous. I'm going to dare to tell a joke I told in the first experience. I need you to laugh real good. Three men walk into a manger scene. One walks forward bearing gold. The second one walks forward bearing frankincense. The third one forgot to bring a gift and sheepishly runs outside and is digging through his camel bag and he's, he's, he's reaching for something and Joseph wondered where he went. So Joseph, the father of Jesus, walks outside and he says, what happens? And he said, oh, don't worry, I brought a gift and he's scrambling and so he pulls out a, a fine garment, a, a turban and he's like, hey, I got, I got a turban, is this cool? And he goes, wait. And he looks again, he goes, wait, there's myrrh. Wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> Hunter told me that joke. Y'all go talk to our dream teamer over there. <laughs> I told Hunter, since I'm holding the mic, if it goes well, I'm taking credit. If it doesn't, I'm telling everybody it was your joke. <laughs> oh, man, I love them. Listen, be generous. The wise men were generous. It wasn't about what they could keep. It was what they could give away. And so the high seasons mean you have the most margin in life. It means you have the most joy in life. You're overflowing with joy. So pass it off to someone who's struggling with anxiety and despair. And come on, and depression. Listen, it means we have more time to care. It means we have more time, talent, and treasure when we're in the high seasons because we know how tight the margins are in the dry seasons. And so when you're in the high seasons and you've got margin, be generous. Use it for the glory of God. In fact, self-centered kings get selfish in the high seasons, but God-centered kings get generous. And, and, and in fact, let me tell you how generous you guys have been because we were just so humbled to see what together we as a church have done. Um, last week, we had our legacy offering, and I want, I'm so excited to report that together we gave over $123,000 that is going to make a big difference in five different ways. We've already started sowing that forward outside of our church. Here's two thank yous we got from our national and global lanes. Check this out that we helped accomplish together. Hi, Drew. I'm Sally in Donor Relations with Church Creek. And I just wanted to say thanks for your sweet, generous gift, you and Lift Church. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for your generous giving uh, to the retreat at Church Creek. I mean that. I uh, th Thanks for believing in us, believing in me, believing in the vision. Uh, we're going to put it to great use. Pastors are going to appreciate it. So from my heart to yours, thanks so much. some of that. So give it up for your neighbor right now. 
Listen, that's called joy, that's called hope, and it comes through the name of Jesus Christ. And we're just honored to do that together. And many of y'all have said, hey, I wasn't prepared, or can we do that in just a little bit? Yes, all throughout the month, if you'd like to give into the legacy offering, the options are coming on your screen. You can use text to give. You can give cash or non-cash stocks on our website, or you can use the uh, kiosk on your way out. Just make sure you earmark it legacy so that we use 100% of it to... Uh, 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 pour into the five legacy lanes. It won't go into our operating budget. Instead, it will go into the four, five legacy lanes, including helping to build our new church home. Can we get an amen? We're going to do way more of that when we got the tool of that building. Amen. All right, and here's the third thing you do in the high season. Number one, uh, number three, give God praise. Praising God when you need him is one level of praise. Praising God when you don't need him is a whole nother level of praise. Because it, it says, I don't praise you because you're my sugar daddy. I praise you because you're my savior. Come on, whether you give me anything else or not, you are deserving of praise. And so in the high season, give him praise. Now let me talk about the dry seasons. Because there's many in here, I've talked to many of you, who you don't love November and December. Maybe you've experienced loss in your life. Maybe you've had tragedy in your life. Maybe you've had difficulty in your life. Maybe family wasn't all that it should have been. Maybe darkness starts to overtake the light. And so I want to tell you that um, the temptation in this season is to doubt God, to throw in the towel, to separate and to isolate from community and people, and to say all this wasn't real. This is a moment where the enemy wants to get up in your head and get as loud as possible with a megaphone. And so let me equip you with some things that I have learned through Scripture. Here's five things to live like kings in dry seasons. You need to write this down because if you're in a high one right now, you don't know what the next season is. Come on, you, it might be summer one season and then you know winter's coming. But then there's a spring and there's a, another summer, baby. So listen, it, you are normal to go through seasons in life. Here's what you do. Number one, protect your thought life. You got to keep you got to take every thought captive. And what does not line up with this scripture, you've got to say, that is a lie. That is not true. I will not stand upon that, for the word disagrees with you. you got to make sure you do not become jaded in the dry seasons of life. All of y'all suck. All y'all are rude. Everybody's mean. All men are dogs. All women are blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Come on. You know how we all get jaded. Christians are terrible. Come on. People don't care. Nobody knows I exist. Come on. No, 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 no. We got to protect ourselves from jaded thoughts that the enemy would love to be in our mic with a megaphone in our ear. That's why I love my pastor will say to me all the time, Drew, the best is yet to come. Because it's so true that God's not done with you yet. God's got big days ahead of you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear any evil because my Lord is with me. He guides and guards me, baby. Come on, listen. Though I don't have goosebumps at the very moment, my God will supply all of my needs at the proper time. And so I got to realize that I'm going to protect my thought life. The psalmist once said this, I think of God and I moan overwhelmed with longing for his help. Where in the world are you, God? I think of the good old days, long since past. They've been over a long time when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I searched my soul and I wondered what the heck is the difference between then and now? Why do I feel so isolated? Why do things feel so dry? Has the Lord rejected me forever? 
Many of us have felt this way. But look at verse 11. The same psalmist comes to his own conclusion. But then I recall all that you have done for me, O Lord. I remember in my mind, I take captive all the vain lies, and I remember just how good you have been, and you are still good, and you're going to do it again. And so I got to hold on to the right thoughts and protect my thought life. Number two, keep your joy. There is a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness comes and goes. When Amazon tells you you'll have it in time for Christmas and there's an unexpected delay, you start my happiness fades real quick. But I can hold on to my joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on. And so I, I can maintain joy even when there's conflict at home, even when there's misunderstandings at work, because I might not be happy, but I will continue with the spirit of joy that Jesus gave to me. I like what Karen Warren says about joy. Listen to this. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. It's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. Oh, I think I need to say that again. Listen to Karen Warren. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. It's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And it's the determined choice to praise God in all things. I hope I'm helping somebody up in here. Number three, in the dry seasons, live by principles. Do not live by your emotions. Do not give in to every single whim. Live by principles. Do you know that living by your heart and worshiping God when you feel like it, when you get the goosebumps, when he feels near, when the band's playing my song, when every time I read scripture, it's like God has got an audible voice as loud as possible. And birds chirp when I open the Bible every single, every single time I do this. And heaven falls down on me like a dove. And I'm just telling you, it's such a blissful time. If the only time you do it is in those times, then you, have, you are incomplete in your fellowship, in your discipleship. Because that's just following him when, we're, when our heart's right. You also have a head and you've got hands. And all three of them are needed to properly honor God. If you feel God and you feel amazing, but you serve nobody, you are missing a part of the gospel. If you feel good, but you've got wrong doctrine and theology and other people can deceive you, you got wrong, you, you, you got an incomplete gospel. So what I'm trying to say is sometimes your heart doesn't connect. And you don't have one of those Pentecostal moments. But you can do what my head says is right. I've read this word, and this word says to do this. So I will be the type of person who goes to church whether I feel like it or not because we're going to live by principles. I will go to my small group and be in community with like-minded people because he who hangs with the wise is indeed wise. And so I will do what I know to be right until my heart starts feeling right again. But I'm going to do, I am going to serve other people because Matthew 25 says, when I did it to others, I did it to Jesus Christ. Come on. And so he is near even though my heart doesn't feel like He's very near. Even though I feel like I'm going through a moment of despair and silence and quietness and farness from God, I know he is near. So I follow my head and I follow my hands. Am I helping somebody? You can't just follow your heart. You have to also have a well-rounded faith. I like what Eugene Peterson said. We can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. 
And so sometimes when my heart's not feeling it, I start doing this. You're like, why so many people raise their hands up here? Because I need to surrender my thoughts, my, my feelings, and I just need to give God praise in this moment right now. It's about me releasing from all that other stuff and connecting and giving God praise because I might be going through a desert hot day today, but Jesus will still be pursued by me. And I'm going to find the king of kings. We three kings of Orient are. We in the stinking moors today, baby. I hate the moors. No more moors. <laughs> Where the heck's that fountain again? Come on. <laughs> Stay in your word. Go to church. Prioritize community. Small groups, dream team. Worship him. Number four, look for God. All right, Captain, obvious, Pastor Drew, I have been looking for God, and that's why I'm like, I don't feel God. And I say, keep doing it. Keep looking for God. Let me show you something I saw in Jerusalem when I was there earlier this year. They're going to put a picture up real quick. This is the terrain around Jerusalem where many people will have lived. If you can't see it very well, it's literally a mountain where it's kind of like flat three yards fall off, flat three yards fall off, flat three yards fall off, okay? Now, I want to, you to imagine what this appeared like at night. Pitch black, treacherous, every step could be your last, danger. Uh, uh, um, do you know that light was a commodity back then? Only the rich people had the resources to own oil. So this mountain would have been dark, full of huts of people who are wandering around in the dark, hoping my foot doesn't slip, hoping the thief doesn't come at night. And that's why Isaiah 60 is so powerful when he says, though there is darkness all around, the light of the world shall break forth and be available to you. What the people of the first century was hearing is it's not just for the rich folk anymore. It's for everybody. It's for the ones who feel on the outside too. And the darkness will be invaded by the light. My foot may not slip. Can you imagine this at night? How many Legos them Israelites stepped on in the dark? Come on, you see that hillside? You know how much trouble we have today. Can you imagine how many mountain edges they fell off of? Ooh, there goes Johnny. Come on. They probably look like this. Click that next video. They look like this. That's what they look like. You just let your foot slip. You look like this person right here. One of our dream teamers said in warm-up, are you sure you want to show that? That's mean. I said, that ain't me. That's funny. Come on. <laughs> if that happens to you, I'm going to laugh, and then I'm going to pray for you afterward, but I'm going to laugh pretty good. <laughs> Did you see that mountain terrain? Come on. Johnny's going, man, I, I hate that I have to go to the bathroom at nighttime, and next thing you know, whoop, he gone. <laughs> you need to understand that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Those who live in darkness and in fear shall no longer have that problem for the light is coming to all. And it's not separated for only the elite. Come on. I need you to see that God is saying, look for me. In the darkness, I will show up. And I know it gets dark at times, but I will show up. Number five, as the band comes forward, tell God and tell Satan. Oh, come on. Whoever's on, Becca, you might have to get an organ out. I'm feeling it today. Come on. You got to tell God and tell Satan. When you are in a dry season, it's okay to tell God. God, I'm in a dry season. I don't know where you're at. 
I know you're real. I expect you to show up, but I don't like this season very much. I look forward to the days that I feel your nearness again. Until then, I shall keep my mind fixed on you. I shall walk in truth and not take up to lies or be deceived by the enemy. Come on. You go ahead and talk to God. And secondly, you tell Satan too. It sounds like this. Satan, I am aware what season I'm in. But you don't get to dictate who you are or who my God is based on my dry seasons. For I know my God is real. I know my God will supply all of my needs. You best back on up because Isaiah said the light will pervade in any dark territory. And whether I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear you or any evil for my God is still with me. Whether I feel him in close proximity or not, he's here and he provides and that's who Jesus Christ is. Can we have a praise break right now? That's my organ when I need an organ. Okay. Okay. Romans 8:37 said, despite all these things, look at your neighbor with anger and say, despite. Despite all this crap, despite all this numbness, despite how cold it feels overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ. Somebody say victory. Say, I got the victory. I got the victory. Oh, come on. That was supposed to be too high. Okay, sorry. Despite all this stuff, overwhelming victory is coming. Why? Because I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. So this is a dry season, and it sucks. But nothing can separate us from Christ's love. So he has not forgotten about me. He's not given up on me. He's not abandoned me. Come on, my God is still with me because ain't nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Even when I was a knucklehead and with sins, Christ still died for me. So I'm just, I'm just one repentance away from it. So let me conclude with this. There's mountain-moving power in our faith that stands strong, guys. There is no mountain that can stay. And don't let the enemy tell you, see, you screwed up. There's something wrong with your faith. You're not as good as the person next to you. Why don't you have their joy? Why don't you have their prosperity? Why don't you have their goodness? See, you're jacked up. Something's wrong. No, 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 no. You just remind him of who he is. You were defeated by Jesus, and the, the, the war lasted the length of a lightning bolt. That's how weak you are. And he will provide for me, too. And I love God, and I'm going to give him my life, and I'm going to walk with him. Amen. Just think as a church, guys, if we all get a mountain-moving faith in our lives, what could a city start to look like when a people of faith rise up? And whether it's a high time or a dry time, they have a resilient, dogmatic grit, weather-worn type of faith that clings to the gospel and will not let go. Can, can you imagine, Live Church? So through field and fountain, moor and mountain, let our faith be as dogged as the three kings. Let's pray. Would you open up your hands like you're receiving? Father, there's many in here who are going through a high time, and Father, I praise you for that. Thank you for your goodness. You had more to do with it than they did. Thank you for their part in it, but Father, we give you all honor, all glory, and praise. We thank you that you've been a good God, and you are always guiding us to the streams and to the fields and to the pastures because there is goodness in you, and I thank you, Father, that you're providing for all of our needs and that you're going to use them to touch other people who are hurting and in despair 
and being overcome by the darkness. Thank you that you've given them margin to make a kingdom difference, to make a real difference, to raise up their families in goodness, and to know the goodness of God instead of the goodness of our name. Father, I pray that in the high times we don't get complacent or rest on our laurels, but we give you all praise, honor, and glory, and make a difference in our lives. I thank you for the good times. For those who are in the dry times, Lord, I know there's hurting and there's pain and there's questions and there's concerns and there's wonder and there's feelings of injustices. Father, I thank you that you will be the great justice keeper. You will. Vengeance is yours. And so, Father, help us to release that the enemy can no longer say that every time this year for the rest of your life, this is how it's going to be. It's going to be dark in these seasons. No, we say in the name of Jesus that light is breaking forth and that you are transforming our hearts to know that Father you restore double for our trouble and so what the enemy formed against us it's not going to prosper but in Jesus name he's going to pay because Father in the dry seasons we are going to have a dogmatic type faith and so Father help us to do what we know put people around us who know how to keep us in right thinking and guard us Father, we thank you for the people of faith that we don't journey alone. We don't isolate, but, Father, we do it together because we are better and stronger together. In Jesus' name, I pray. If you receive that, say amen. With every head bowed, every eye still closed, just want to talk to a few more people in person and online. You might think, Pastor Drew, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not all that tight. I've got sins, and I know they... I don't even want to admit them to God, and I know I've screwed up. I just want to tell you, I wish you knew the peace that I have. In 2002, I didn't have peace. I didn't have peace that if I met God, I'd be in right standing. I think I said, I hope I'll be okay. But then also, I've run into people before who are like, Pastor Drew, I'm in the high times of life. What do I need God for? And I say, hey, praise God for that. The problem is if you don't get to know him in the high times, you are going to need him in the dry times. And we don't know what's coming around the corner. And our enemy wants to sift us all like wheat. He's not a friend. And in those moments, I wish you had the peace that I get to carry through the dry times. If you're in this place and you're like, man, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just... I feel for you because I don't want you to wander around lost in the darkness, falling off of terraces and falling down mountainsides and taking on pain you don't have to take on. Jesus Christ came, the Son of God, in the form of flesh, to not only pay for your sins so that you would no longer have shame and regret from things that you've done in the past, but that you would also have a peace that surpasses all understanding, that when you go through the high mountaintops or the dry deserts, you will know that I have a companion who calls me a friend. He is with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. And I have a hope and a faith and a peace that I wish you could have, and you can have it today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I will not embarrass you or call you forward. But if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Drew, I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or if you say, I want to return to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Will you just throw your hand in the sky real high, real quick, just for a moment, and then you can put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. If you're online and you can, if you could get through the chat, say, that's me too. And if you can't, just believe it in your heart. Just say, just say, God, I'm going to give you my life today. And together as a church, we're going to pray together. Say out loud and repeat after me, especially those who raised their hands. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I've done a lot of stupid things. 
And I'm asking you to forgive me now. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And then when he was bruised and bled on the way to the cross, I believe he did it to pay for my sin. I receive your forgiveness today. I get to start all over again because of your goodness. So with this fresh start, Jesus, I want to live it for you. You be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church got wild and celebrated with them as we all said. Amen.